Glad that you're here. Again, want to encourage you every single week to, to be thinking about who you can invite. Want to see our men's lunch continue to grow. Think about who you can bring with you uh, every single week. Easter's coming up in a couple weeks, uh, very soon up on us. First off, if you have a home church, want to encourage you to be there. Invite folks to your church. Uh, if you do not have a home church, we're going to meet at the Wilbarger Auditorium that, that Easter Sunday morning at 1030. want to encourage you to join us there. There's some, there's some cards back there on that back table. If you want to grab a couple of those and invite some folks to join you. And then we're looking forward to that Sunday just to be able to tell folks about the hope that we have in a risen Savior, reigning King Jesus Christ. So again, we want to be in prayer for that, for that effort. Um, today we're going to come and, and we're going to finish... And it's really pretty crazy to think of all the verses we've gone through, all that we've traveled across. But we're going to finish today our study in the book of 2 Peter. We have gone verse by verse through 1 Peter. We've now gone verse by verse through 2 Peter. And today we come to the conclusion of uh, Peter's second letter. Today we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. I'm going to read those verses together, and then we'll come back and look at those verses individually. Always want to encourage you, if you can, bring your Bibles to our men's lunch, and then we'll be able to look at those verses together. Again, today, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 or 14 through 18, if you'll listen. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, and they do, as they do also the rest of Scripture to their own destruction." You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Again, those are the verses, the final verses of our, of our chapter of, of Peter's second letter. We're going to look at those verses now piece by piece. Going back to the 14th verse, it says this. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. As we go through that verse, it starts off and it says, therefore, therefore, beloved, what it is talking to, or who he's addressing here, it's talking to Christians, uh, followers of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, he could have picked any term to address them by, but this is what he picks. This is a heartfelt conclusion to his letter. Therefore, follower of Jesus Christ, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things... Now, this is talking about the, the things that he had just discussed, the, the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, uh, eternity with Jesus Christ. Uh, we just read about a new heaven and a new earth. The former earth is cleansed off by fire. And says, so he says here, since you look for the coming day of the Lord, eternity with Jesus Christ, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, here's the first truth we see today, and that is this. As Christians... We live and we are to live with an eternal perspective. As Christians, we live, we are to live with an eternal perspective. Not a worldly perspective, 
Uh, not an immediate perspective, which that's how some of us operate. What do I have right now? What's coming up next week? But we are to live with an eternal perspective, which means this. We measure everything. We weigh everything against eternity. Uh, we are to say in every issue, how does this impact eternity? Or maybe it doesn't impact eternity. Uh, instead of living in the right now, instead of, of, of living for things and investing in things that are going to pass away, things that do not matter, we live as Christians in light of eternity. Now, very practically, that means that I lead my home with eternity in mind. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what job my kids get. It doesn't matter what sports team they play on if they miss a saving faith in Jesus Christ. I lead my home with eternity in mind. Not only that, once my kids have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want them to tell others about Jesus Christ. And so I lead my home with an eternal perspective. I, I raise my kids. I live my life with an eternal perspective, not with a, a short-sighted perspective. We waste a lot of time on things that are not going to endure to eternity. So as Christians, we live with an eternal perspective. It says this, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, since you have an eye for eternity, be diligent, which means take the time, make the effort, be diligent, to be found by him. Now, I want to stop here for just a second. Therefore, since you're living in light of eternity, there is a day when the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time shall be no more. Since you're living in light of eternity, with that perspective, we're to be diligent to be found by him. What that means is this. You will meet Jesus. You're going to meet Jesus. You will be found by him. Well, I may try to hide in the crowd. There's not going to be a crowd to hide in. You're going to meet Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, he's going to know everything. When you meet Jesus, he's going to see everything. When you meet Jesus, he's going to know the condition of your heart. Nothing will be hidden on the day that you meet Jesus. Now, I think about that. That's a pretty awesome thing. I'm ready to meet Jesus. I want to meet my Savior. But at the same time, that is a terrifying thing. There is a day that you are going to meet Jesus. And so he says, so be diligent to be found and it gives us two things here. And really the two things are, are tied together. You're going to meet Jesus. You're living with an eternal perspective. And so make the effort, be diligent to be found in these two things. The first one is this, in peace. Be diligent that when Jesus comes and he looks at you, when he finds you, you're going to be found in peace. Now, I thought this was probably talking about Peace with him. Well, if you remember, he addressed it to Christians, to, to the brethren, to, to the beloved. And so it's not talking about peace with God. You're saved. You have peace with God through Jesus Christ. It's not talking about that. It's saying when, when Jesus comes, be diligent that you would be found in a state of peace. What that looks like is this. On the day that I meet Jesus, I have eternity settled in Jesus Christ. It's not up for grabs on that day. It's settled. On the day that I meet Jesus, I want to be diligent to have lived in a way 
that was directed according to Christ, led by God's word. And because I have my eternity settled, because I've lived according to the direction of God through his word, on the day that I meet Jesus, you know what? I'm able to meet him in peace. Maybe it's a picture of contentment. Let me just ask this question. If you were meeting Jesus today at, at two o'clock, could you meet him in peace? Well, what did you look at this morning? What's on your phone? Well, how'd you treat your wife this morning? What language did you use doing business? Did you, did you cheat somebody before you came to the men's lunch today? What about the IRS and the, the one thing in your tax return that's not squaring up today? If you were to meet Jesus today at two o'clock, number one, are you secure in your relationship with him? But number two, have you lived in a way that you could say, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I've messed up. But I've tried to order my life according to what you've said. And so I can meet him in peace today. Now, the second thing that's tied very closely to that is this. You're to be diligent to be found in peace, but it says spotless and blameless. Now, I think this is why you're able to be at peace. Now, this is talking about how you live. This is talking about how you're living right now. And right now, you're living one way or another. You're to live in light of eternity due to the truth that you're gonna meet Jesus Christ you're to live a life that is spotless and blameless. Spotless means this, exhibiting Christ's character. Exhibiting Christ's character. You are to live your life that it, that, that it, it mirrors how Christ would live. The way I forgive is the way Christ would forgive. The way I respond is the way Christ would respond. You are living your life exhibiting the character of Christ. Blameless, and notice it says, and blameless, the two are tied together, Blameless is because you have lived that way, people can't place true blame on you. Now listen, they can falsely accuse you. And it says, in fact, followers of Christ that take a stand are going to be falsely accused, but a person cannot rightly accuse you. They can't say, you know what, I know them and they're this. It can't stand because Christ knows and you've lived and ordered your life in a way that exhibits Christ's character. They can accuse you falsely, but they can't accuse you correctly because of how you've lived your life. Now, man, what that means is this. How you live your life matters. We have this goofy idea, well, God's gonna forgive all things. We have grace in all things. And so, you know what? I'll just do kind of what I need to do and I'll mess up a little bit and I'll set my course and I'll take back a little bit of the, the priority away from him. And you know what? It'll all settle up in the end. You know what? Peter says this, live your life that when you meet Jesus, you'll have peace, number one, because you have a relationship with him, but for Christians, because you've exhibited the character of our Savior, you know what? I have nothing to hide. I can, I can meet him in peace. You want to live a life that honors Christ. That's the bottom line. You want to live a life that honors Christ. Then you can be at peace. Last week, we, we talked and we looked at the fact that it includes your actions and your attitudes. Sometimes it's easy to fake your action and have a, have a poor heart, have a poor attitude. You know what? When he comes, he's going to see it all. He's going to know it all. You want to have lived your life in a way that you can be content at peace when he comes. First part of this truth is this, how you live matters. Verse 15, the first part of the verse says this. 
and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Remember this. He hasn't come back yet. And I'm talking about this day in in March 2018. He hasn't come back today at 1245. He hasn't come back yet because he is patient, desiring that all people would be saved. You know, that's the only reason he hasn't come back. That's what the Bible says. The only reason he hasn't come back is he is patient, desiring that all people would be saved. We forget about him. We rail against him. Our our nation's a mess. We slander his name. We're an insult to him. You know what? If I was him, I'd come back and I'd stomp it out. He hasn't come back because he is patient, desiring that every person will be saved. That's why he hasn't come back. And so the fact that he hasn't come back, we're not to be mad about that. And that's, that's the context of the letter. Well, he's not ever coming back. We're not to say, well, he must have been lying. He's, he hasn't told us the truth. It's been 2,960 years. He hasn't come back. Maybe he's not coming back. But we're to understand the reason he hasn't come back is because these are the days of salvation. We're to take these days and lead people to salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say this. If you're not saved, today's the day to get saved. If you are not saved, man, I've heard this a million times. Man, this is the first time I've heard it. Man, I gotta get some things right. It's not about any of that. Listen to me. If you're not saved, the reason he hasn't come back is because in his grace, he desires that you would get saved. Today, the reason he hasn't come back is that we would lead people to salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. The rest of verse 15. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. It's talking about here Paul, the apostle, who wrote the New Testament letters from Paul. It says that the wisdom was given. It came from God. Now, what he's saying is, is just like his letter. Paul's letter is inspired of God. It's, it's coming from God. And so he says, these letters from Paul, the writings from Paul, they have, they have the wisdom of God because they've come from God. Verse 16. As also in all his letters, not just my letters, but also in his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. Verse 16 says this. Peter says, you know what? Paul also wrote letters under the wisdom of God, and he also wrote about these things. I think that's very interesting. It is a consistent message because it comes from God. It wasn't Peter's message and Paul's message. It was a consistent message. It was God's message because it comes from God. Now, here's something I like in this verse. Peter says, these writings from Paul, our beloved brother, concerning the wisdom of God, the word of God, and he says this, in which some things are hard to understand. Now, I like this. Peter says, some of this is hard to understand. Peter says that. An apostle says that. Some of this is hard to understand. My brother Paul wrote some of this. Some of what he said is hard to understand. You ever read in the Bible, 
Maybe you're reading in the book of Romans or the, or the book of Hebrews somewhere and you think, I don't even know what this just said. I, I can't make heads or tails of this. I, I'm having a hard time understanding what this says. Well, good news. Peter says the same thing. Some of what my brother wrote is hard for us to understand. And then he goes back here. He's talking about the word of God. And then he goes back to this place. He says, which the untaught. Now, what that means is this. They don't know what they're talking about. And the unstable. Now, what that means is this. They're not on solid ground. I don't know if you ever met a person that's unstable. There's some unstable people running around. But these folks here, he says, they're not taught. They don't know what they're talking about. And they're not on solid ground. They're unstable. And it says, and they distort. He's talking about false teachers. And so he says here, these untaught folks, these unstable folks, they distort this teaching as they do all of the rest of Scripture. Now, I think it's very interesting here. Most of this letter has talked about the dangers of false teachings. He's talked about what it is to live as a Christian. He's talked about how to endure hardship as a Christian. But over and over and over again, he's talked about the danger of false teachings. Well, I want to tell you in the last days, that's the biggest threat, the danger of false teachings. Well, here, as he closes out the letter, he goes back and he addresses false teachers. He says these folks, they take it and they distort it. Some of them add stuff to it. Some of them take stuff away from it. Some of them pervert its meaning, and they do it to their own destruction. He's back talking about false teachers. Verse 17, here he gets personal. You, therefore, and we can put ourselves in those shoes. Jesus hasn't come back. He's patient, desiring that none should perish. We're reading this letter. You can put yourself in there. You, therefore, beloved Christian. Knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Peter says this, you Christian, and again, you put your own self there. Knowing this beforehand, he says you've been warned about false teachers. I've told you they were coming. Jesus said they were coming. Paul says they were coming. You Christian, warned about false teachers, know this. Knowing this, be on your guard. What what it literally translates is keep your eyes open. Don't let your eyes shut. What it it means is be aware. Be on your guard, knowing this is going to happen, so that you are not carried away by the error, the wrongness, the error of these unprincipled men. Now, all the way through this letter... Peter has had no problem calling false teachers what they are. He's called them dirty. He's called them filthy. He's called them rotten. And now he calls them unprincipled. That means what, it means they stand for nothing. They stand for themselves. These are not principled men. These men have no principles. They're self-promoters and they have no principles. And he says, if you follow them, you'll fall from your own steadfastness. Listen very carefully. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. His truth directs us. His truth leads us. Well, I need to go see what the world says. No, you don't. 
His word directs us. His word guides us. Well, I'm not sure what to do in my home. I'm not sure what to do in my relationship. I'm not sure what to do in my business. His word guides us. When we mess up, his word convicts us. You know what? That's not going to work. You know what? Here's the straight line, the plumb line to line back up with. His word restores us. You know what? I've gotten off track, but you know what? The track's back over here. His word restores us. And then these false teachers come in, these men with no principle, and they come in and they distort that and they change that and they mess that up. And it's talking to believers here. If they get in line with them, they're going to be carried away and they're going to fall is what the verse says. I don't know how to say this any bigger. I'm going to try to say it as big as I can. Do you see how big this is today? Man, I, I, don't, I don't know why it's such a mystery. I, I watch the news and I listen to people gripe. Do you know why our homes are in such despair today? Well, it's the education. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. Do you know why our kids are having such a hard time today? I'm raising kids today. It, it is a hard time to raise kids today. They can't find their bearings today. They can't even tell them what gender to go in the bathroom of today. Do you know why our kids are having such a hard time today? Do you know why our country is such a mess today? Both sides of the political system, do you know why it's such a mess? It's because the Bible has been distorted. The Bible is being neglected and false teachers have sprung up like a bunch of crazed wolves and they are preying on us today. And even Christians today are being carried away and even Christians are falling prey to these false teachers. And so here we have the last verse of the second letter of Peter. Here's what he says. Here's your answer, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, your answer, your answer, where you're sitting right now, your answer is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't know how we're ever going to make it. I don't know how we're going to raise kids in this culture. I don't know how this is going to end right. Listen, you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what this means. Grow means, in the Greek, to increase, it just makes sense, and to advance. To increase and to advance. Listen, your knowledge of Jesus has to be growing has to be increasing. Hear this. Listen to me very carefully. That happens alone through the word of God. You can't go sit under a tree long enough to know Jesus any deeper. You can't go listen to what all your friends have experienced in Jesus and know him any greater. The way you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ is to endeavor to spend time in the inerrant, true word of God. Men, I want to tell you, the problem today is the neglect and the distortion and the removal of the word of God. Here's what Peter says. The answer is that men, husbands, dads, granddads will be growing in the knowledge of God. That's how we're going to stand. That's how we're going to make it. That's how we're going to endeavor until the trumpet sounds again. Let me say this. I'm about done. I am sure, sure than I've ever been. In 2018, listen, Satan 
is coming for your wives. He's coming for your wives. There, there's one, I'll just say it, and you can, you can quote me on this. There's more ignorant false teaching going on and, and what's promoted is women's Bible studies now than we've ever seen. Satan is coming for your wives. Let me tell you this, Satan is coming for your kids. He's coming and there's gonna be junk pop up on their phone, nine years old, they're seeing hardcore pornography. He's looking to devour and to destroy your kids. Satan is coming for your home. If I told you, you know what, I'm coming to your home and I'm coming for your wife and I'm coming to your kids, I bet you'd meet me at the door. He's coming for your wives. He's coming for your kids. He's coming for your grandkids. And the reason he's had so much success is the men today have fallen silent. We'd rather watch ESPN and drink another Coors Light than stand for my home and for my wife. Listen to me, you're the one that has to stand upon his truth. That's the end of this letter. You're the one that has to stand upon his truth. You're the one that has to know it. Not your granny, not your wife. You're the one that has to declare it to your little kids. You're the one that has to guide your wife in it. You're the one that has to say, you know what? God has placed me here as the man in my home. I'm gonna stand in the gap. And as for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. A wife doesn't say that. A man says that. We have to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It happens alone through his word. That's us. That's you. We have to increase in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It happens in his word. Last verse, the last part of verse 18 says this. I guess this is the way you wrap up all these letters. To him be glory both now and in the day of eternity. Peter says this, it all goes back to Jesus. It all goes back to Jesus. We're saved not of any work that we've done. We're saved by Jesus. We're saved not because we memorized a bunch of stuff and upped our church attendance. We're saved by Jesus Christ. He says, you know what? We now live in Jesus. We have the dictate of God's word. We live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We live in Jesus Christ. And one day in God's grace, we're gonna spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And so Peter says this, to him be the glory now and forever and eternity. It all goes back to Jesus. Letter ends, letter closes. These folks took it. Some of them fell away. Some of them went back to their old stuff. But I want to tell you about some of them. Some of them took it. And some of them said, as for my house, this is what we're going to be standing on. Some of them said, you know what, if a Savior died for me, my mouth will not be silent. Some of them said, you know what, crucify me upside down. The guy that wrote the letter, I'm going to stand with my Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the question. The letter has ended. What about you? What about me? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Glad you're here today. Let's pray. Dream Father, we come. I'm thankful for your grace. And I'm thankful for your mercy. And I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, not one part of me is good. Knowing the right thing, I turn and do the wrong thing. Having great intentions, I go the wrong way. I forget about you. I rebel against you. And yet your love stands. And your love stood in the cross of Calvary. And you offer me forgiveness 
Not of any work of my own, but through the work of Calvary, Jesus' own blood. So I praise you for that. I thank you for that, that I can have a clean slate by faith in Jesus Christ, that I can be restored in a relationship that I broke because of Jesus Christ. And I come and I pray for the men in this room that we would grow in your knowledge because we would endeavor into your word. We would read it. We would study it. We would memorize it. We would be where it's preached. We would not neglect it. We would take that. We would guide our wives and we would speak it to our kids. We would train them in the truth. We would live according to it. That even in the worst of these days, we could stand and have peace with you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I end this, this lesson as, I, as, you, as Peter ended this letter. Glory be to Jesus, my Savior, my hope, my provision, my peace. Glory be to Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.